When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Could you just help me with the hatch, please? The hatch. Robin, dear, I, I need your help with the hatch, if possible. Yes, I'm hatching hatching a plan to help you now. Oh, that, that would be great. Once you've hatched the plan, could you then um, help me with the, the hatch? It's, uh, it's pretty pretty stuffy up here. Oh, right, you're on the other side of the hatch. Yes. Oh, sorry, yeah. right, right, yes. I'm, um... I'm behind the hatch. Okay, yeah, I'll let me just open this hatch. Oh. There we go. There we go. Hang on, let me just come down these steps. Whew. Yes, yeah, sorry, oh. I got a bit confused there. No, not a, it's all... I mean, there's so many hatches around here. Oh, my. Oh, I'm all bent out of shape, Robin. Mm. I'm all bent out of shape, having been up to the bell tower. And I was just checking on one of the many colonies of doves mm. uh, that we have here in the dovecut Come bell tower, as it's uh, it's known. Yeah, and they're thriving. Good, they really are. Uh, they they've yet to really grasp the sort of. I'd hope to teach them to sort of maintain the windings and some of the mechanisms of the, um, the hexagonal clock faces there. But oh, I mean, they are as sweet as they are, as beautiful as the noise they make. They are as thick as two short planks. <laughs> are they? Um... Do they get disturbed by the bells, or are they deaf doves? Ah, now that's a very good cue. I wonder if they started out being disturbed by the bells and have become deaf doves mm. as, a, as a result therein. Mm-hmm. But to the passerby, it's just part of a beautiful sort of scene, a sort of vignette of, of dove and bell and <laughs> clock. Which is where you get the famous pub name, the Dove and Bell. And clock. And and clock. Yeah, the Dove and Bell and clock. Yeah. So no, I, but I was just sort of sweeping up because you know what it's like when you've got fourteen thousand doves living in a dove cut. Yeah, this is what it feels like when doves attend the bells in a belfry. It's, yes, yeah. but uh, yeah, scooping out the old Guam mm. uh, to give it its proper name. But uh, they, yeah, they're very happy up there, and um, clocks are all set. So good. They should be chiming on the quarter twos. Just quarter two. 
the hour. Yeah, just yeah. quarter two um, on the clocks there. But obviously, everyone's all of the clocks are set to different sort of. Well, I don't want to get into the nuts and bolts of it, but you know, different calendars, yeah, different regimes, different regimes. So, re- I mean, really, they're, they're sort of constantly chiming. So, if you think about it, eight clocks, some of them on the the two moon cycle. No, oh, yeah. One of them is on a three sun cycle. So, obviously, that's ten days to the week. Um, and obviously, um, how many other than four? 14 weeks in a month. I don't know. Anyway, they're going off all the time, but you can't really hear them from down here. Well, they're going off so regularly that uh, you, you just don't tend to notice. It's a bit like when the central heating goes off. Yeah. Uh, and you think, oh, that's been quite loud. Like when the bells finally stop, you'd go, oh, the bells have been ringing all day. But the bells are ringing yeah. so constantly that it's actually more like a drone. I, I remember at university a visiting professor mm. who was uh, teaching film and I went for a tutorial with him. And it was it was like a scene out of um, Richard Curtis film. You know, American professor visiting Oxford. Quite a cool guy mm. in a sort of stuffy college room. And the windows were open because it was quite hot. And the the church next door was, was sounding its bells. And he sort of got up and closed, closed the window and said, Do they ever turn off these goddamn bells? <laughs> That's nice. Um, I wonder what he's doing. And he popped. Popped back to Harvard after his term there. But, yeah, good Godspeed. Yeah, what a life. So, Robin, we're no, we're no longer in the bell clock dovecote tower of the mind. We're here in the, the warm bosom of the moon underwater. And uh, I have to say, it's, it's looking very relaxed. Um, it's quite playful. I'm not usually one for a sofa in a pub at all. In fact, I hate it. Yes, you're too low down. You're too relaxed. You're too low down. You can't have. You sort of can't access your drink on the table quickly. But um, the moon underwater is sort of at a an amusing play on the uh, sofa concept, whereby the booths are sofa'd, uh, but the uh, the tables are sort of set right back into the sofa. So you have to sort of slither in. Yeah, but I, I don't mind it. <laughs> Do you like? Um... What's that pub in Edinburgh that's got almost like beds in the pub? Oh, um, the Br- Brass Monkey. Brass Monkey, yeah. Yeah, it's got sort of, uh, in the back room, you sort of lie on these, I guess they are beds. They're not beds as in with like sort of pillows no, and stuff, but they do have big cushions. Yeah. They're sort of like big, long foam cuboids. You sort of find yourself kind of reclining sort of like Michael Jackson on the cover of Thriller. Yeah, it's quite... Uncomfortable, yeah, but it's good fun. Yeah, it's good fun, and it is it is a bit of a quirk of that pub. Yeah, but yeah, no, these sofas are very comfortable. I must say. Yeah. So, well, this is the first of our month in pubs to try and just give a little bit more beef to our bonnet, uh, as the saying goes. Uh, pack a little bit more um, peppers in the in the in the in the in the pot. Yes, a few more peppers in the pot, um, pack a bit more beef in the bonnet. Uh, so, Robin, where and whence have we find thy sen this pub month past? Well, this is a good cue now, isn't it? Yeah, the, the month in pubs. It's been, a, it's been a pleasant month in pubs. Uh, I didn't last very long with dry January, unfortunately. Can you explain, Yuri, <laughs> why you didn't last long with dry January? What was the... I was at my girlfriend's sister's... Oh, yeah, I think I've explained this on the show. It was a first birthday party. (laughs) (laughs) That was it, yeah. yeah. And it was very funny because I think... Did you tell me that 
Maybe you told me that in the other realm on the phone, or was it on the podcast? I think it was because... in, in the, on the a previous week in pubs, yeah. Yeah, because you, you said, um, I just had this party to go to, and I was like, oh, that's, that's fair enough. Yeah. And then you're like, it was a one-year-old's <laughs> party in the day. Yeah, it was in the day. But what, what pubs followed hence? Um, I had a very nice pubbing up in North London, in Highgate, around Archway kind of area. Um, the, I went to, I met up with a few friends, I went to the Boogaloo. Have you ever been up there? What it is? Well, it used to be called the Shepherd's Pub, and it's a kind of, and before that, I think it was the Birkbeck. But it's a it's an it's a really nice pub. It's kind of kind of rock and roll style pub. They're playing really good music and stuff. But um, it's kind of a point of note because it was where Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and Ed, Edgar Wright used to go, and it's where they kind of hatched the plan of uh, Shaun of the Dead. So it's kind of the Winchester from Shaun of the Dead in a way. Oh it's kind right, of the so it's sort of the basis. Oh, if you know of any pubs that are pubs in films or the basis of pubs and films, do let us know, john at moonunderpod.com, if you don't mind, mate. Yeah. I've got a little bit here, which is quite fun. Frost and Peg spent much of their time at the Shepherds talking about how they would survive an undead apocalypse. Uh, oh, the initial wow. part of their plan involved securing the necessary means to slay the undead. Um, they said there was a little gun shop on Archway, which I think is still there, weirdly. <laughs> Really? And they said they said we worked out that you could get onto the roofs on Archway Road and all the way down to the gun shop. And then we had some kind of weird fantasy that they had a secret cellar and that's where they kept all the illegal shit. But there we go, that's Simon Pegg. But yeah, very nice, very nice pub. And then went on to the wrestlers in Highgate, which was extremely nice. And from which I had a three-day hangover. First of my 40s, yes. Talk us through the, the sort of the movements of the three-day hangover. Well, I think... <laughs> In day one, you kind of, there's a part of you that thinks it's not so bad and you're kind of vibing it. But day two, there's a very deep depression in in, in, in the soul. Yeah. And that continues into day three. But what, so it's just, just three days of depression. <laughs> I mean, I didn't mean to put it like that. I meant, I meant to kind of make it sound like a depression in, in the, the, the surface of your soul. Yeah. Not like actual depression although that wasn't far away either but you know great great times in in the wrestlers but uh you know but 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 bad hangovers afterwards how are you feeling sans cans well sans cans i mean okay sans cans for over three months now Mm. and um sort of physically it's it's quite weird so my sleep improved very very quickly and then so I'm like eight hours straight through pretty much every night now. Wow. My skin improved very, very quickly, but has now... Well, it's not like bad, but it's... I, I assumed that I was just going to heal, like before... Like almost be photoshopped before thine eye. <laughs> yeah. But then I realised that, oh, you you know, you're 40. Mm. You're not going to just keep looking progressively better and better and better forever just because you've... I haven't had a drink for three months. I don't know. You do look a bit yassified to me. What does that mean? Isn't that a thing young people say? Kind of a, a kind of a glow up. Oh, I, I mean, I think um, the I think what you might be experiencing is some of the filters in the air, right, of the movement. in the correct realm, yeah. might actually improve the appearance even more so. In fact, you know. We always insist on Valencia in the moon underwater. Oh, Valencia. Yeah, that's what we do. The blood's still warm in the brain. Yeah. Is that the line? I don't know. But um, That song by, um, oh, what's they called? That's a great song. Uh, by the Decemberists. Oh, yeah. 
Valencia. Oh, Colin, Jesus Christ. Colin Malloy, by the way, has got a very good um, Substack account. And he recently asked Chat GPT to write a song in the style of the Decemberists, which he then recorded. It's, it's quite funny. Oh, that's quite a good idea. Um, yes, yeah, so can I do a few more pubs? I just realised from I can do another couple of pubs here. Have I finished talking oh, right. about what I was so talking sorry, about? John. The question so sorry, John. Yeah. But interestingly, I because I was like couldn't believe that I wasn't losing weight, right? Because of all the calories that I'm sort of saving from, you know, like probably easily a thousand calories a day on average. So at, at the start, were you kind of doing sugary alternatives then? I was eating a lot of chocolate right. at the start. That's quite common, I think. But even then, I couldn't believe that. You know, a bar of, uh, what's it called? Chocolate. Chocolate, that's right. But one of those thin, you know, the slightly more expensive bars that are in cardboard, the slimmer bars. So if you go to a Tesco, you've got your Cadbury's rack, you've got your Nestle rack, and then you've got... Tony's Choco Lonely. Yes, but thinner. It's sort of, they've got velvet in the name, Intenso, Noir, that sort of thing. Okay. So they're in slim... Slim oblong packs with with large square bits, but they're very thin, so you feel like they're healthier, but they're exactly the same as everything else. Anyway, so I stopped doing them in January because I did no booze, no sugar in January, and even then the weight didn't fall off. Um, but I've upped my gym trips to thr- thrice weekly, not d- bi-weekly. Right, and now things are starting to change. Wow, well you're looking great. Thanks, man. It's just difficult to tell what things are just age Yeah, would be my main takeaway. Well, that's the thing, I think, isn't it? That if you don't drink for a long period of time, it's actually getting acclimatised to what one's mind is like, in a way. Because for so 100%. long, it's been, you know, you, basically you're seeing things through a filter of being a bit hungover. Not at all times, but in certain cases kind of up for a long period of time you know i'm not saying that's you but like no i i would say it wasn't until probably 90 days off booze that i could actually i could honestly give you an account of what my mental health was like right because then i felt that sort of most of the sort of ill effects of sort of booze and hangovers and adrenaline peaks and troughs and you know numbing stuff with booze had gone mm. Um, which is very interesting, and I wonder, it's interesting, I wonder how many, I think the problem with, because, you know, like, people do tend to lie to their doctors about how much they drink. Yeah. I wonder if people were honest how many GPs and stuff would actually prescribe time off booze. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I mean, that sounds great. It certainly sounds a lot better than a three-day hangover. (laughs) I I meant that to be a funny story, but it just sounded really depressing. Sorry about that, everyone. I tell you what, there's many, many evenings still where I think about booze, I fantasise about it, and I crave it even. Less so than at the start. However, I've never woken up thinking, I wish I'd had a drink last night. Right. But you can't think in the evening like you do... like. You can't force your mind to be that morning mind. Well, no, I mean, but that's the kind of that's the problem with a lot of things to do anxiety with to do with anxiety. Say, like, you know, I get anxious about going to the cinema and the theatre. I have to think about the fact I will have enjoyed the film after I've been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, very much so. Yeah, 
But it's um, yeah, it's an interesting it's an in- interesting exploration into the unknown, really. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm so you know, tell us about on. more pubs. Okay. <laughs> yes. Well, I went to Bedford at the weekend to see my brother and his family, and we went to the village of Harold, which I've mentioned on uh, in the Moon Underwater before, because there's a great Beatles connection, which is that in uh, June 1968, Paul McCartney and Entourage went through Harold and stopped there, had a drink in a pub, and performed "Hey Jude" for the first time. Uh, Paul McCartney was kind of writing it at that time. So it's interesting, there's some dispute about which pub that actually took place in. It's mad that stuff that happened in living memory, there could be sort of dispute yeah. about it. Yeah, there is a nice photo. I, I think it's the, the Oakley Arms lays a good claim. And the, the the other pub, the Magpie, is now a restaurant called uh, Spices of Paradise. But the Oakley Arms is the one we went to at uh, the weekend, and it has a poster up there of Paul and everything. And I think they did a little celebration on the kind of anniversary of it. But it's a really, really nice pub. And it reminds me of, like, it's it's like, it reminds me of a um, kind of village pub near where you live in Amersham because it's got that thing where, you know, because of the times we live in for pubs, it can't just be the local pub anymore. It has to be other things. And so it's a restaurant. And it's also a bakery. And they sell cakes. Oh, that's very nice. And I thought that was actually nice because it reminded me of that kind of Irish thing of, like, the pub being also the shop and stuff. Like, one of our rounds was a pint of beer, a pint of lager, a baguette, and some Victoria sponge. That's nice. (laughs) And also, I imagine the smell of baking bread is a good accompaniment to the taste of a beer. Yeah, it was really good. And it was such a beautiful village. Yeah, it was was really nice. It was really nice to go there for the Beatles connection. Well, quick Beatles question. If you could have been present for any Beatles event... Would it have been that performance of Hey Jude in that pub or would it have been something else? That's a very good cue. Because obviously, like, those early Beatles gigs would have been hellish to actually be at because the sound was terrible and everyone was screaming. But would you have wanted to be there for the sort of vibe of it? Well, I think it's just so interesting what Get Back showed was obviously them working on the album that became Let It Be. I mean, just to have similar footage of them doing the White Album or Abbey Road would just be absolutely amazing, wouldn't it? I just, I think to be in the studio for either of those albums would have been incredible. Does such footage exist? No, no, there's few. There's more photos of the White Album than there are of Abbey Road, but uh, no, not, not much video footage. There is a bit of video of Paul playing Blackbird, I think, in the studio. Oh. Uh, wearing weird shoes. You just assume they'd have had, like... Because a similar band now will just someone will be filming something all the time because everyone's doing it on their for like Insta stories. I know. <laughs> Do you think we'll look back and a big box set of Insta stories in a few years' time? Yes, maybe they'll um, release um, a documentary called "Let It Be Real" because <laughs> of the app. Oh right, yeah, be real. That everyone uses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right about that. Do you use Be Real? God no, I'm forty. Okay. Also, I'm always on my own. (laughs) (laughs) But be real, it's fine for being on your own, though, isn't it? It's like, here I am cooking. Oh, God, it would get a bit depressing after a while. You play a lot of golf. Yeah. I'm not sure I would want to be be reeling on the golf course, though. T-reel. It would just be me and podcast recording Zoom calls. (laughs) Me and my, like, YouTube videos of golf and me and my gas hobs, me and my bedroom wall. Oh, God. Anyway, carry on. Do do another one of your pubs. (laughs) 
But I'm reminded of um, Gabe wrote into the show a, a while back when I mentioned Harold, and he mentioned, he said one of the best pubs to go to around Bedfordshire is The Cock in a village called Broom. And we drove past that. I can't believe we didn't go in, but it looked absolutely amazing. But he said it's a pub that has no bar, just an open cellar into which the landlord descends, emerging back with one's remarkably affordable and always optimum quality tipple of choice. So next time, I'm going to go to the cock. Ah. Um, but another great pub in Bedford went to was the Gordon Arms, and they've started doing Brew Point, which is like kind of the new craft beer arm of Charles Wells, or Wells & Co., which is like Bedford Brewers. So it's, I thought it was really good, actually, because it's quite an old traditional brewery, but they're trying to kind of branch out a bit to these kind of more craft beery kind of tastes. And they did yeah. they did, did Midpoint, which is a nice pilsner. And they also do On Point, a pale ale, Checkpoint, an IPA, and Nil Point, a 0.5% hoppy lager. It's good stuff. Oh, good. They could do Point Less with um, Richard Osman on the front. Yeah. What would that taste like? A tall, a tall beer. A nice tall drink. Yes, so those that's my month in pubs. Well, uh, we went to a pub together, and I also went to uh, another pub. We went to, <laughs> believe it or not, the the Metropolitan, which is a Weatherspoons uh, by Baker Street Station. And do you know what? I didn't mind it at all. I thought it was really nice because it remind it kind of felt like a bit like what one of those kind of chop houses would have been like in in the yes. kind of nineteen thirties London or something. Yeah, high ceilings, just the sound, the big... It was like hubbub of conversation. Mm. And, um, you know, the bar staff really good. There wasn't a massive queue for the bar. There was sort of a mixture of families eating and tourists and sort of wide boys. And, um, yeah, I just I just thought it's it's serving the purpose of... It, it felt a bit like a service station for pub I don't goers. know. I thought it was nicer than that. It's a beautiful old building. It seemed almost quite gin palacey. No, but what I mean is it didn't feel like anyone was in there for like a five-hour session. It felt like a place people would sort of meet and yeah. it, was, it felt like a stop-off. You're on your way somewhere. And then we went to, I think, one of the worst pubs I've ever been to, which we have... Oh, it was the worst pub we've ever been to. No, 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 no. We went to the... No, it was, wasn't it? I think it was. That Not the Weatherspoons. No, no, no. Yeah, you're right. No, the one we went to afterwards. Yes, yeah, yeah. That was, we won't name it, but that was probably what the worst pub I've ever been to, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Mm. But that just really felt like no one ever goes there. You just kind of end up there. Yeah, I know what you mean. Music way too loud and wrong type of music. What's that song again? Jess Glynn. Yeah, I'll always, that will always be my touch point for bat, the wrong music to have in a pub. Or the music. <laughs> <laughs> like what about seven thirty on a Monday? Yeah, just have a quiet pint. It's very like you're in a gym. You know. Yes, hundred percent. And also, uh, I mean, they had loads of screens on because it was the rugby, or was it football? Rugby. And but they did. They, in fairness, once they were. Once the rugby was finished, they went away. But it was that horrible thing of having Jess Glynn and commentary playing yeah, at the same time. I know. And so also it would like go to ads in the rugby or whatever. So there'd be music on the ads just clashing with Glynn. And, do, and you sort of want to say to the manager or a member of bar staff, can you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> can you hear that you're blaring out? You're turning up both knobs yeah. to try and... 
because, oh, I can't know the music, turn the music up. Oh, I can't know the commentary, I'll turn the commentary up. So they're both on full. You, you're here, right? You can hear whatever you're subjecting everyone to. Yeah. Oh, matey of my mates. Yep. Very odd place. But then on Sunday, this Sunday last, I went to the Black Heart in Camden, mm. which is a sort of a uh, like a metal goth. Oh, yeah, pub. yeah, I know. And I got, and they do this incredible vegan roast. Really recommend it. Uh, so I had uh, tofu pork belly with, I think, crackling made out of rice paper, which was out of this world. But I just got such a burst of nostalgia for when we used to go to sort of goth pubs in the 90s. <laughs> um, and just feeling like completely safe. Mm. Even though, the weirdly, as a contrast to the the awful pub, you know, they're hammering out really intense metal music, but a really pleasant volume. <laughs> and they had, like, gender-neutral toilets, so it was just sort of six cubicles, very, very welcoming, mm. really fun staff. And, it, like, I, I always felt that. I think that's why I gravitated towards that group in your year at school who were sort of dressed like goths and were goths and were into that sort of thing. Just because the most intimidating person could walk in and you know they would be super, super lovely. Because mm. you might and you might initially think they're intimidating because they've got like loads of piercings and tattoos and wearing dark makeup and dark clothes or whatever. Mm. But I always found those people to be the nicest to talk to. And... Um, Exactly the same in this place, the Black Heart. So do go there if you fancy a vegan roast of a Sunday. Yeah, I think it's a kind of misunderstood genre still some, in some ways. Because I also think when you listen to The Cure, they're kind of like the least miserable band ever in a way, because it's all about embracing these big things. They're like a kind of a, a romantic band with a big R, I think. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's yeah. kind of like incredibly beautiful music. It does deal with dark things as well, but... It's more, it's more kind of to do with emotional heightening, you know. Yes. And, and in many ways, you could argue Jess Glynn is as well. <laughs> just just heightening those emotions, sentence after sentence. I don't want music. to slag off musicians, you know. I, I really like Jess Glynn's song she did with Clean Bandit. That's a great song. Yeah, but also, if you were, like, having a beach party yeah. with, and you're all, like, half our age... Yeah. That's a great song to play, is it? I don't know, people who aren't 20. But it's it's an inappropriate song to play loud in a pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we can all agree. I just, I've got nothing against the music. <laughs> but she's she's intensifying because she's going... <laughs> I do like that other one, though. That's a good song. Yeah, they're both good songs. Okay. But imagine if you could create a loop of that song just going constantly higher. Just keeps going so higher and higher. Sort of like Queen. Yeah, it's good. Jess, if you're listening. Yeah, Jess, if you're listening, love your music, but the pub, the pub, we're using it irresponsibly. Anyway, there we are. There we are. Robin, I think we should probably have a little break before we head into the correspondence, before the mist man cometh mm. and blow us all asunder. Um, so we'll be back with you after these short notices. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to The Moon Underwater. It's our month in pubs. I am the landlord, John Robbins, and sat down there, sat in his sofa in the booth, is the lovely Robin Allender. Uh, The Moon Underwater is in fine fettle uh, this evening. We've discussed our pubs, our month in pubs, our pubs in months. But Robin, I... It was the most extraordinary thing. Uh, You ever seen the film Backdraft? Is that about fires? Yeah, it's about fires. I've not seen it, no. And firemen. Yeah. Anyway, in backdraft, <laughs> yeah. what the problem with a backdraft is you open a door to get to fire <laughs> and you think it's all fine and then it all jumps out all over the ceiling. Right. But what <laughs> it, I was reminded about, about backdraft. Yeah. Because when the mist man come, <laughs> all the mist slunk under the door <laughs> like a misty old foggy marsh, didn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it was quite a, it was quite a, quite a scene, quite a spectacle. But uh, you sighed, and the mist just sort of—it was almost like you inhaled all of that mist. Inhale the mist, exhale, just more mist, uh, bad mist. Nah, bad mist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, what have people been misting to you about? Oh, we had some great mist this month. Former guest of the Moon Underwater, Simon Price, messaged in. Oh, hello to you, Simon. I love Simon Price. What a good egg. He said, I enjoyed the discussion of the insufficiently dissimilar names of Brighton pubs in Maisie Adams' Moon Underwater. There's the Heart and Hand slash Hand in Hand. And there's the Evening Star, Earth and Stars. And then things used to be even worse. There were two Shakespeare's heads within 0.7 miles of each other. Eventually, one of them renamed itself the Brighton Beer Dispensary, then closed down altogether. And there's a Brunswick and a Caroline of Brunswick on opposite sides of town. A friend once said they'd meet me in the Brunswick, so I went and waited only to find out they were sitting waiting for me in the Caroline of Brunswick all the way across town. There ought to be some kind of illegal exclusion zone for pubs with the same or similar name. Mind you, there are four coach and horses in very close proximity in central London, so it's not just a Brighton problem. Interesting this, I thought, because the Blue Posts in central London, there are about four, aren't there? There were four within about, well, certainly within a... 
15 minute walk of each other. Yeah. There well there is still one which is the Sam Smith's pub on Newman Street. Sam Smith's. There was one next to the Pizza Express in that weird little sort of walkthrough bit in Soho. Yeah. I know one of them has closed down, but I don't know which one it is. Yeah. One of them was very but, nice, I remember. Nice kind of stained glass windows, I want to say. Let's have a little looky here. Yeah, so they're all the blue posts. Mm. I think maybe they are all still open. And I've just been told from producer Jack that there's also a blue post behind Hamley's on Regent Street. Yes, yeah, so there's uh, the one in Newman Street, which is just uh, up from Tottenham Court Road. There's one on Kingley Street... There's one on Rupert Street. That's the that's the one in the little underpass bit, I think. Mm. And there's one on uh, Berwick Street, yeah. which looks very pretty from the outside. I was thinking as well, Bristol. There's three Shakespeare's in central Bristol. So I've got caught up with that. I've gone to the wrong Shakespeare before. I wonder if the... I, I quite like the quirk. Yeah, I like the quirk. Oxford as well, the two gardener's arms, which are... I mean, how close are they? They're extremely close, those two. Well, the one on Plantation Road and the one on... North Parade. North Parade. That's yeah, under a mile. Got to be a, oh, yeah, they've got to be like a six or seven minute walk from each yeah. other. I've I got to say, hold my hands up, I like the quirk. Yeah, I like the quirk. I mean, if every pub in London was called the Blue Post, <laughs> yeah. that would be hellish. Yeah. I wonder where the name comes from. Maybe a stamp? Oh, that's not a bad shout. Uh, but please write in if you've got similar named pubs that are quite close to each other. Yes. Oh, so the Blue Posts was named after the boundary markers of Soho Fields. Ah, there you go. Soho Fields, uh, once Royal Hunting Grounds. Ah, okay. And that's where some people think the word Soho comes from, as a sort of a variation of a hunting cry. Soho. Yeah. Do you know what's called Soho in New York? It's very boring. South of Houston yeah. Road. Yes. And no-ho is north of you. <laughs> but, yeah, that's I, 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 there's lots to discuss there. Lots to pick apart in that mist. Lots of mist particles. Yep. I've got. I've had another message. Well, this isn't. Um, this is a message a friend sent to me uh, to, uh, that was posted on the Draper's Arms Facebook page. Draper's Arms, fantastic little micro pub in Bristol, which is to say, the sad news of Chaz Wright of uh, of Yuli Brewery in Gloucestershire has passed away. Um, and they, Draper's Arms wrote this message. So very sorry to hear of Chaz's passing the other day. When we opened the Draper's seven years ago, I contacted him to ask, could we buy some of his great beer? When I told him where our micropub was, he said, nah, I don't think so. Bristol's full of wankers drinking yellow beer with strawberries bobbing about in it. <laughs> <laughs> However, he agreed to send his son Dave down to see if we met the standard written on their beer mats of real beer in real pubs. Thankfully, he thought we did and still do. We finished off our latest cask of Yuli Bitter today. I met Chaz a few times over the years and raised a pint in his memory tonight. Chaz Wright, RIP, one of the best. Yuli Beer was very, very nice as well. So, yeah, sad news there. Oh, pints raised hither and thither. Yep. What are some of the names of Yuli Beers? Oh, 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 Yuli Bitter. I think there's one called um, Old Spot, I want to say. I'm checking it right out. Yep. I'm checking it right out. Yuli Pale. U L E Y. Yeah, pig's ear, old spot, pigger mortis. That's nice. Um, pigger mortis. Let's find out about pigger mortis. Oh, I don't think they're not sure if they're doing pigger mortis anymore. Anyway, 
Super. <laughs> um, anyway, more mist. We had a nice mist in from Lorraine. She says, hi, John and Robin. I thought you might like to see this drinks menu from the late 1980s when Stringfellows was quite a fancy nightclub to visit. I only went there a couple of times. My only clear memory was is that on each occasion, the legend that was Georgie Best was there. As you can probably imagine, he was surrounded by beautiful women. I just wanted to point out that they have what they have listed as the most expensive cocktail in the world, which I think you'll agree is small fry compared to the Henry IV cognac that the utterly wonderful Barry Glendenning chose on what is without doubt the world's best ever podcast. Uh, those prices, though. Yeah, so have you, have you got this, uh, John, the Stringfellows menu? No, I don't. So this is late 80s, and one of the drinks on the menu is the, the most expensive cocktail in the world called the Butterfly Ball, a creative mixture of brandy, curacao, maraschino, I must, I think I'm pronouncing every one of those wrong, Grand Marnier, and two bottles of Dom Perignon. £200, or with three bottles, 250 beautifully decorated and set in a silver bowl, will easily satisfy six or more people. That's a lot of money for the late 80s. It's a lot of money now. Yeah, well, a bottle of Dom Perignon now would be 120 quid odd. Jesus. There's a, I saw that I, there's a very funny Chris Morris interview with Peter Stringfellow, which was on his Radio One show. What is it? What happened? Oh, it's just it's just so funny. Just Peter Stringfellow doesn't really seem to be listening to Chris Morris. There's a great bit where Peter Stringfellow says, "Back then you had your menu in French," and Chris Morris goes, "You had your hoodie menu in it." <laughs> it's really good. It's very funny. Uh, it's on YouTube. Chris Morris was so quick. He just he Chris Morris just didn't give a hoot. It was on radio. Do you mind doing that on Radio One? Oh, it wouldn't happen. <laughs> would, would not happen. It was so funny. Oh my god! I mean, the amount of fuss we had to go through to uh, advertise a tax calendar. <laughs> I, mean, I, th- I literally think four different advisory boards at the BBC had to approve it. Yeah. The idea that Chris Morris could just come in and fill a room with helium. He never did that, I think, but, well, you know, he did lots of other stuff. He announced other DJs were dead on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite extraordinary. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, this one is from Richard. Hi, John. Love the podcast. I'm working in the driest of countries and generally enjoying it, but boy, do I miss the local. Explaining pub culture to Saudis made me realise how many pub types we have. So this is interesting. He said he kind of goes through a sort of bullet-pointed list of the different kinds of pubs oh, in nice. the UK that he misses. Locals, town pubs, Irish-themed and real Irish, Desi pubs, gastro, flat roofs, rowdy-slash-dodgy, trendy, wine bars, independent, cheap chain... Blues. I don't really get that one. Blues. Like a blues, like a play blues music. Like a rock kind of club, I suppose, yeah. And football. Uh, But that's interesting that I think what I do kind of like about that is there are certain words. You can just, you can sum up a word, a pub with one word, and people will know what you mean. Like if you say it was a bit trendy, I kind of know exactly what you mean. Also, I could add, you could add to that tap room. Tap room, yeah. You could add country. Yeah. You could add a road. A road, yeah. Just that pub in the middle of nowhere on an A road that sort of doesn't look very nice, but because it's on its own in the middle of an A road, sort of feels like a mirage. Fake chalk writing on blackboards. Yes. I think that's a kind of pub, isn't it? You know exactly what I mean. That's a kind of pub, yeah. Mm. What other kinds of pub are there? I mean, this is a question we should have asked (laughs) 98 episodes ago. (laughs) But that's, I do like that. Yeah. 
I do. I kind of like, I'm, I, I think it's very fascinating when people say kind of pubs are a bit rough because I think it can be a very loaded term at times. It's funny, there's a sort of Twitter thread going on about this a while ago about what makes a pub rough and it sort of descended into this kind of Monty Python Yorkshireman sketch of people trying to outdo each other with how rough their local pub was, you know. Yeah, I think rough can sometimes mean you don't know anyone there. Yeah. Because everyone notices you come in. I think people can can mistake a sort of a lack of welcome for roughness and, sometimes. And it can be used very snobbily, I think, when people say, oh, it's oh, a yeah. rough pub. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, could we add function room pub? <laughs> yeah, I think we shall. You know, that sort of pub where actually they'd rather have a wedding reception mm. in than people, like they prioritise events, private events over your regular drinkers. Do you know the pub sort of pub? Yeah, I mean? yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think as well, my dad always used to have, he used to go, oh, it was a bit basic. Huh. Yeah. But then your dad liked, like the annex is is a, I would say is a no frills. No frills. Wet pub. Yeah. No, they do food. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he would he have called the annex basic, or do you mean something else? At the time, I think he might have done. Uh, just in the sense that oh, this is it's tricky to go into. Lord knows, I love the annex, but I mean, it's it's unpretentious, maybe something like that. Yeah, mm. yeah, very much. Um, yeah, but interesting. Yeah, come in. Please write in with your other pub types, and we've got one in here from Asia. She's she's written in a few times. Hello, Robin and John. All this talk of craft beers being owned by megacorps is an extra sore subject for me. A few years back, I invested a whopping £30 in a cool new brewery called Camden Brewery. Soon after I read in the news it had been bought out by the mega company who owns Beck's, etc. I interpreted this as meaning I was now a shareholder in a huge company and would likely become a millionaire. But alas, no, they sent me a measly £40 and tossed me aside. (laughs) But once bitten, never shy. I have just put £100, two monkeys, she says, question mark, into a canned wine company. So fingers crossed this time next year I will be a millionaire. If it works out, I might even get on Patreon and subscribe. All the best, Asia. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Canned wine. I can see that catching on. Well, they do it a lot in theatres. Yeah. The old canned wine. I think those, those like, start-up capital raises yeah. are quite confusing. I remember looking into one for a brewery near me called Mad Squirrel because <laughs> what they wanted to do was to, they like a lot of these new breweries, they basically reached capacity at their, their place where they brewed the beer. Yeah. So they needed to invest in a much bigger one and that's often the first step yeah. when these sort of, um, you know, shed-based or warehouse-based things need to expand so they need to raise a lot of money but actually drilling down into what it meant for you yeah i could it was quite hard to get an understanding of it and the problem is like the websites that these companies have are all sort of sparkly like you want to be a part of this thing you we're raising funds but when you actually try and just get it written in black and white what a share is when you can get access to your money it's quite it is quite confusing but i guess um Aisha's made, well, that's a 30, well, 33, a third profit, a 33% profit. Yeah. Which is quite good. If you'd put in a billion pounds, <laughs> quite good. It's not to be sniffed at, for sure. 
Isn't Al- the, what was the Alistair Green kind of craft beer piss take thing? That was Punk Squirrel IPA, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Punk Squirrel IPA. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people sent him the Mad Squirrel Brewery because I think it was a coincidence that he picked Punk Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame. Um, last missed here from Tim. Hi, John and Robin. In the in the Maisie Adams episode, you mentioned not seeing tenants outside of Scotland. Well, I was on a work trip to Palermo. You have to say it in the Tom Hollander voice from White Lotus. Palermo. And in a restaurant, a drinks menu was produced, and under the heading Craft Beer, there it was, Tenants Lager. Brilliant. Well, everyone, thank you so much uh, for listening to this month in pubs. Uh, We are going to whet our whistles and uh, we'll be back with you next month. But just a reminder, if you want to uh, send your mist our way, then direct it to john at moonunderpod.com. And also, if you want to support us on Patreon and get access to Behind the Cellar Door, which is like this, but from a cellar, we go a little bit deeper into the pub of the mind, the mind of the pub, then go to moonunderpod.com and... If they're still available, because this was recorded in a different realm sequence, uh, there may still be tickets for our live event uh, celebrating our 100th episode at the Comedy Store in London. But it may have sold out because of uh, demand, because it's very rare that we actually go into the other realm, isn't it, Rob? Yeah, yeah, we're we're, we're quite shy, really. We are quite shy about going into the other realm, uh, but we'll be there for one night only. Um, so if tickets are still available, check them out, moonunderpod.com. If they have already sold out by the time this murmuration reaches your ear, then apologies. I'm quicker about it next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.